Hello and welcome to the Happy Baby Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about flathead in babies, a condition that is quite common, but thankfully easy to treat in the first few months. We will also be chatting to paediatric physiotherapist Alan Lyons about tight neck muscles in babies and flathead and how his treatment helps. Alan is the owner of Barefoot Physio, a private physiotherapy company specialising in paediatrics, neurodevelopmental therapy and neuro rehab for babies, children and adults of all ages and abilities. They have a nationwide service offering clinic-based sessions and home visits from their locations in Cork, Kerry, Dublin and Galway. So if you have a new baby, if your baby was delivered by vacuum or forceps, if you have twins, if you had a long labour, then today's episode is a must. If you like our podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it with anyone who you think would like it too. We'd really appreciate the support. So let's get started. So Frank, today we're talking about plagiocephaly or flathead and torticollis, which is tight neck muscles in babies. Now, very often these two conditions are linked, so it's good for parents to be aware if their baby could be affected. Will you explain what these conditions are and which babies are more likely to be affected? Yeah, thanks very much, Rose. Um, I'll start with torticollis. Torticollis for me is often present at birth and it's a condition where the muscles on one side of the neck are tighter and therefore a little bit shorter than on the opposite side. So what you very often see is that the baby may be tilting their head to one side or they may be turning their head and holding it to one side more than the other. Plagiocephaly then is often as a result of a torticollis. So plagiocephaly is a flat head. And what we see with plagiocephaly is that because the baby is looking to one side more often, the bones at that side of the head flatten. So they get flatter than on the opposite side. And it's important to try and identify this as soon as possible. And how would a parent know if a baby had a torticollis? So the key thing to look out for is as you're looking at your baby, if they're lying down or even if they're sitting in your lap, that their head is tilting to one side or that they prefer to look to one side a lot more than the opposite side. And if you actually try and get their attention to the side they don't like looking towards, you'll find they'll be quite restricted when they're trying to move there. Or they may move there very briefly and go back to the side that they prefer again. But looking at them when they're lying flat as well, you very often see that their head will be tilted or their ear will be closer to that shoulder. And again, how would a parent know if a baby had a flat head? What would they be looking out for? Okay, so the best way to look for a flat head is to look from the top of the skull down. And what you need to do is to have a look at both ears and make sure that they're in a horizontal line. Look beyond or behind those ears and you'll see the round shape of a baby's head. If you start to notice that at one side there's a flatness behind one ear or indeed there's a flatness going from one ear to the other, that can tell you that there's a flat head. Now, if a parent thinks their baby may have a flat head or indeed tight neck muscles, what can they do at home to help their baby? Okay, there's lots they can do, actually. If the baby's head is turning to one side most of the time or there's a flat spot on the back of one side, 
then one of the key things to do is to actually reposition the baby. So you can reposition them so that they spend more time on the opposite side. You don't leave them spend a lot of time in car seats or baby carriers because, again, they'll be resting on the side where the head is flattened. As well as that, you can use a pillow that we recommend very often in the clinic called the Mimos pillow, which helps to protect the, the, the shape on the flat side, but also helps the baby to move their head from side to side. You can put, give them toys and communicate with them on the opposite side to where the flatness is. If you're carrying them around with you, then carrying them on your hip where they're looking out to the opposite side where the flatness is as well. When you're feeding them, feed them from the non-flat side. If you're changing their nappy, do exactly the same. And the other key time thing is tummy time. Start to get them doing tummy time because tummy time strengthens the neck musculature, which allows them to move their head left and right more easily. You can start with very brief periods of tummy time first and build them up over, say, five or six weeks where they're doing more minutes. That helps strengthen the neck muscles, which really helps with their ability to move and turn their head left and right, which helps the flat head. And what about the type of delivery a baby has, Frank? How can that affect torticollis? There are a number of deliveries that can affect or create the process of torticollis. A long labour may mean that the baby finds himself or herself in some very uncomfortable positions for long periods of time. And this can sometimes cause the neck muscles to become overstretched. An instrumental delivery such as a forceps or a vacuum where the baby is obviously being pulled into position or extracted may increase the likelihood of torticollis as well. Twin pregnancies take more twins, take up more space and are therefore more likely to find themselves in uncomfortable positions where their neck muscles again can become overstretched and very often one twin will be in a breech position and this too can affect the baby's neck muscles. The other one would be what's called an asynclistic position it sounds complicated, but essentially it's where a baby enters the mother's pelvis at an angle and the baby's head is tilted as a result of this. This continues through the labour and can cause, again, the neck muscles to become overstretched and add to this a long labour and the issue is compounded even further. In my experience, for most babies, mild torticollis will resolve naturally over time. However, if you have a baby that is tilting their head or is looking more to one side than the other, then it's advisable to get that baby checked either by a paediatric osteopath or a paediatric physiotherapist to rule out torticollis. And as a paediatric osteopath, how would you treat a baby who presented in the clinic here with flathead or torticollis? When I treat the baby, I'm looking for the midline of the body. Very simply that the baby's head, shoulders, ribcage and pelvis are moving from the midline. In other words, that the left and the right-hand side of the baby's body is symmetrical. And then when you're treating the baby, what you're doing is, let's say they have a flat head on the left-hand side, their muscles on the left-hand side are tighter. I will look for that, yes, but I'll also look further down the body. So I look at the ribcage movement to make sure that it's moving symmetrically and also, very importantly, the position of the pelvis. Because very often what I see is the pelvis 
will be tilted upwards on the same side as the tartaricollis is. So you have to very gently use very gentle muscle releasing techniques to get the neck position back into midline and also to release the tension in the pelvis to create that midline from the top of the body to the bottom of the body. And we use very gentle techniques to do that. And then we give mum and dad lots of advice, which I just described earlier, things you can do practically. We are very happy today to have um, Alan Lyons with us, who's a paediatric physiotherapist um, who has a number of practices throughout Ireland. And we're going to talk about the subject of plagiocephaly or flat head today and also talk about torticollis, which is tension in neck muscles in, in the musculoskeletal system. So it's very happy to welcome you this morning, Alan. And if you'd Thank start you. by just giving us a little bit of information about yourself, and then we'll go on and talk about the topic this morning. So sure over thing. to you. So, uh, yeah, my name is Alan Lyons and I'm the the owner and I suppose my, my title will be the na- National Lead Physio for, for Barefoot Physio. So we're a private physiotherapy company with a number of clinics around the country, namely in Cork, Kerry, Galway and Dublin. We now consist of a team of, I suppose, 12 physiotherapists and associated professionals um, with an expertise in paediatrics and neurodevelopmental therapy. And uh, I suppose we're, we're, we're movement enthusiasts and we like to apply that knowledge and that of enthusiasm to the paediatric field. Um, so, yeah, on the, on the subject of plagiocephaly and torticollis, yeah. um, we see a broad range, well, we see the, the, the whole range really of paediatric conditions and developmental conditions. And quite a common one amongst that would be um, babies presenting with stiff neck or flat head. Okay. Um, either in isolation or, you know, along with other symptoms and other, and other conditions. Uh, whereas it's, it's a relatively small part of our work, but um, probably formed between 5 and 10% of, of new referrals. In in our Cork service, which is our, our original service, which we, we founded five years ago in 2016, in that service we do have one of our physios, Anya Ryle, who takes a lead with the babies, although um, many of our other physios, including myself, um, Sinead Sweeney, Ray McCarthy, Sinead Nathan and Emma McCarthy, we would all have experience um, with these kind of kids. I have to say we really enjoy that side of our work because a lot of our work is probably with slightly more serious conditions. Yes, um, of course, yeah. Congenital disability and Mm -hmm. and acquired disability in childhood. And we find that work with with babies with relatively minor conditions or, or just, you know, for general developmental screens, we really enjoy that kind of work because it exposes us to, you know, what typical development and their many variations are like. And we feel that obviously we can we can help clients and their families in these situations, but it also help, really helps us with our with our own development. And it can be fun. You know? And like, as you know, I very often have referred babies to the clinic who have presented in my clinic with flathead. And I've been able to do some very gentle if you like, paediatric cranial techniques for them. When I refer them across because there's a torticollis or I want a second opinion, what happens when they're referred to the clinic? What's the process? The process will be we'll, we'll receive the referral from yourself and um, or from a GP or a self-referral. Yeah. And we'll contact the client and have a brief discussion. Um, thankfully, these days I have a, a secretary who's who's excellent at heading that. Very good. And um, Anne-Marie will ring the client and have a discussion. And just try to discern how complex it is um, or how straightforward it is and then decide who's the most uh, suitable 
um, physio to take it. Yeah. Generally speaking, that will be on your rail unless there's a you know, logistical problem with that or in terms of the schedule being booked up uh, and then she'll look to somebody else. Our main thing is really to, to discern uh, how far along in the process it is. If it's very early days and a little bit of tension in the neck hasn't turned into too much tightness or muscle contracture, that's really what we want to see because what we can do there is we can really get working on the kind of the strength and the, the postural control side of things. Um, whereas if you have a baby who's maybe four or five or six months at the point of referral, they may have, they may be a bit further along the pathway. They may have a little bit of um, tightness in one side of their neck, then have an associated muscle imbalance, whereas the, car, the, the opposite side of the neck can be quite weak at that point because it's been dominated by the tight side. And then with the associated plagiocephaly, which is flattened from one side of the head, that's, can be a little bit more developed and it can be causing a bit more of a positional problem when kids are lying on their back and, and such. What happens in terms of things that parents can look out for if they have a suspicion of the possibility that maybe a plagiocephaly is, is present or a torticollis? What, what do they look for, say, if they're at home with their baby, for instance? Well, the most obvious thing that people will, talk, will, will see straight away is that um, there's a tendency for the child to turn their head to one side more okay. often than not. In mild cases, that may be only noticeable during prolonged periods oh, of nice. rest. You know, yeah. in their in their seat during the day or in their where they sleep during the day or at night, they might always just turn to one side. Whereas when they're active and awake, they might be well able to actively turn their head in both directions. Then, obviously, with that, they might notice a little bit of flattening on one side of the back of the skull and possibly um, a little bit of tension on one side of the neck. That's Oftentimes, that's not what's picked up on initially. It's more the, the postural tendency to turn to one side and the flatness on the head. But what's one thing that I, I find is very important to look out for to see if there's any tightness in the neck is if you examine the skin creases on each side of the neck on a baby. On the tight side, oftentimes, you'll see deeper skin creases where the neck meets the shoulder area. Oh, and if, you, if, if you open up that skin crease and have a look in, sometimes there'll be a little bit of redness or something in there where if you're not very deliberately opening up that, that that area of the skin and cleaning inside of it, it can get a little bit red and irritated. And you may not see that on the on the other side where there is no tightness. Okay, that's a very good point. And is it when if parents see this in their baby, is it is it important to to refer to somebody like you very quickly? Is that the key? I think it, 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 either someone like yourself or myself, yeah. osteopathy yeah. Or, or physiotherapy, it doesn't really matter who, yeah. as long as somebody gets to take a look and see how, how significant it is. Okay. And even in very mild cases, it can develop into quite a stubborn thing. So it's really right. important to just start doing the right things as early as possible. And when you talk about the right things, do you, do you give parents homework to do, like exercises that they need to do as the aftercare? Yeah, primarily we would give parents homework to do. And normally as part of the session, we'd be giving a lot of advice um, and, and discussing a lot, of, a lot of different items. But always at the end of the session, then we find the best way to do it is to summarize things in a, a short, maybe two or three minute video. Yeah, the, the, the parents would use their smartphone to make a video of us summarizing the problem. Okay, um, what, what the plan is and then, you know, demonstrating physically with hands on how to go about doing the basics and then a few additional things on top. Yeah, so what are the basic things? Yeah, if we just sort of progress that, what are the basic yeah. things that you get them to do? So the basic, the basic things are advice on positioning when the child is lying down and sitting, advice okay. on maybe carrying and holding positions, and then advice on, say, massage, mobilizations, okay. and stretches of the affected area, if, if we're talking about the torticollis. 
Okay, very good, very good. And obviously, tummy time is is important aspect mm-hmm. of strength and conditioning for the baby's neck. Yeah. What 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 is your your sort of your top tips about tummy time and things uh, that that parents should should be aware of? Well, it's a really good point, and there, there there's probably a little bit of detail in this side of the conversation that I want to guess kind of key messages across because a lot of people will come in and they'll be, they'll be very aware of tummy time, and they maybe they maybe have been advised by a public health nurse or even just you know friends and family to yes. uh, tummy time is key. And whereas it is quite important, I think obviously for for developing strength in terms of extension through the spine and the head, um, and also an early exposure to a position where the child must weight bear through their upper limbs is really important because then the head and neck rest on the shoulders. So the shoulder girdle really is the foundation for head and neck control. And if a child has an early experience of some sort of assisted pushing through the arms in tummy time, I feel personally that's one of the most important elements of tummy time. Okay. If I can just kind of deviate a tiny bit from the course conversation, um, I'd always add in or almost replace the, the tummy time emphasis in the first few months with the importance of just general floor time. Positioning the child on, on their back, really focusing on developing control of flexion and midline orientation. Because most of the kids that we see with plagiocephaly and torticollis, they'll have some sort of information in their background history of maybe a difficult birth, being unwell in the first few days, or maybe it might be something more subtle, like a bit of reflux or something, where they're just not physically comfortable. And what they don't do, which a perfectly typically developing baby would do, is gain very early control of their head in the midline position. Imagine a baby lying on their back. To actually hold their head in the midline and look straight up requires a fair amount of control of your neck flexor muscles. And we try and establish this kind of control as as soon as possible. Um, And then going along that pathway would be then bringing the hands in towards the midline, using your abdominal muscles to bring your legs up towards the midline. And trying to establish that kind of foundation of it's almost like that early flexed fetal position that you're born in for a full okay. time. Trying to establish that early on and then moving into side lying and stuff from that flexed position on your back. OK, very important stuff, really, as the baby is developing your muscular. Yeah, very important. Yeah. And um, the, I suppose the, the vision is a very important part of that. So when we're trying to establish that early chin tuck and midline position of the head, it's really achieved through, you know, presenting out of your face or an object of interest, getting the child's visual attention and getting their head to follow their eyes as they come to midline. Because I would definitely in my own work would absolutely note those those presentations of midline of infants who've had, as you said, a difficult delivery or they've come into the pelvis during the birthing position out of midline. And yes. you can visibly see very often they'll have head tilting, they'll have maybe pelvis hitching on the same side. And yes. I would use very, very gentle techniques, musculoskeletal techniques to reestablish that midline, as you've just yes. discussed. So it is a very important factor early on. It is. And what we do see is you, you alluded to it there, the relationship between the head position and the pelvic position. Essentially, if you have a head that's turned to one side, then... That side of the body, so say if you're turning your head towards your left, you might mm-hmm. tend to shorten down along your entire left-hand side of your trunk. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in a few small cases, we might see some kind of hip dysplasia-type situation develop, okay. either as a result or alongside the head tilt. It's very hard to know which is the chicken and which is the egg. But again, even from a, from a movement development perspective, at a very subtle level, we'll see that 
the head tilt to one side might be the beginning of a journey of significant asymmetry throughout your body. We'll often see kids um, presenting at the age of 12 or 18 months where they're not making great progress in their journey towards standing and stepping. They're, They're relying on one side of the body. And a few probing questions that the parents might reveal that when they were younger, yeah, they had a, a head turned to one side. So it can have quite a quite a big impact on your uh, your motor development. Okay, that's a great point as well, because uh, if it's sustained, then obviously that becomes a learned pattern of movement in the infant who then yeah. becomes the toddler and it, and, it, and it persists. No, that's a very good point. Anything else to add in that now in terms of movement? Yeah, um, just briefly going back to the tummy time situation, yes. kind of uh, the, the relationship between the points I was making about early um, factors about lying on your back. Mm-hmm. I mentioned rolling onto your side from a flex position. And then we we put quite a big emphasis on the the, the journey from side lying onto your tummy. And how if we if we get that movement correct, then tummy time will become a lot easier for the child. Okay. So for example, when you're lying on your side, the arm that's underneath you can yes. also be stuck in under your side. Um, so we try and position that arm in an elongated manner, kind of alongside the head. Oh, very good. Yeah. And then slowly turn the child from a sideline position onto their tummy. Um, and we would kind of encourage people to just like, when, as they slowly turn the child from the sideline onto their tummy, to only give them some support from their lower body and leaving their upper body for the child to control themselves. Very so good. Yeah. That underneath arm needs to be used in a kind of a pushing manner to help lift the head as you complete the turn from sideline onto your tummy. Excellent. And uh, that can be, there can be a big difference in that ability on one side compared to the other. And obviously you would teach the parents when they come to the clinic, those things, really yeah. those exercises, and <laughs> you would give them a video of it so that they can have yeah. a visual. That's fantastic. That's really good. Really and we believe that that's where really the quality lies in the service that we offer. Yeah. As well as reinforcing a lot of the basics that people will already be aware of. We can yeah. kind of check those and make sure everything's been done as well as possible. But then adding in that layer of detail that's individual to that baby as well. Just another question in terms of pillows and the use of pillows for flathead and torticollis. What is your yeah. view on that? My view on that, there's, 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 um, there's obviously the whole thing about fact to sleep and, and, yes. and sudden infant death syndrome that we ought to be very conscious of and we shouldn't recommend putting objects into cots. Mm. Um, but what, where I fall on it is really, we, 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 I tend to recommend the, the Mimos pillow. Yes, I do as well. Uh, and I tend to recommend people put it under the sheet in the cot. And then really that's kind of being quite safe while also intervening in some way. Indeed. And what, what have you found from sort of recommending the Mimos? Because it is an aerated pillow, first of all, so mm-hmm. it's very breathable. Mm-hmm. So from a safety point of view, it's probably the safest on the market, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, by the time they come to us, I say the majority of people will already be using something like that or similar. Certainly with the direct referrals from you, they'll already be aware of it. In other parts of the country and other sources of referral, people will tend to have started doing something like that. And if they haven't, we'll we'll advise and we'll give the caveat of, you know, be careful. Absolutely. Safety first. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And another question that I'm very often asked by some of the parents is every now and again, we're asked about helmet therapy for Mm -hmm. older babies with flat heads. Yeah. Is this something that you recommend, Alan? Like, what's your view on that? It's something that is quite topical at the moment in our mm. company between our different staff. We're trying to figure out, you know, we should really have a bit of a protocol about, you know, 
when we would refer for a helmet, a little bit of a rationale behind why we would and why we wouldn't. Obviously, it sounds like a, it sounds like common sense, but it's something that because in Ireland we don't really have too many providers of these helmets, there's a little it's a little bit of a cultural thing, you know, the whole it'll be grand side of things. We don't want in this country. I think we're quite good at not being kind of too too um, dramatic about these things. But at the okay. same time, then you might miss out on some kids who would benefit from it. Indeed. So. What I think is those with moderate to severe deformity from plagiocephaly should be considered for it. We're quite keen that we don't want to be the ones responsible for that decision-making, I suppose. What we've come down on is that we'd probably prefer to refer to a paediatrician or maybe even a paediatric plastic surgeon, such as, uh, such as in Crumlin. But I think that a local paediatrician is the best protocol, that if we identify somebody who is moderate to severe um, or probably more actually severe, we would refer to the paediatrician for that to be discussed. And we should probably discuss a little bit about how we quantify moderate to severe and how yes. we track that. Because we do use a calipers, a cranial calipers in the clinic okay. to measure the plagiocephaly or the brachiocephaly if it's flatness just at the back. Um, and Mimos, we mentioned the brand Mimos for pillows, and they also um, they do. have calipers and they, they have do. a very nicely presented chart for both plagiocephaly and brachiocephaly. And uh, in that chart, it's very clear that at a certain age and a certain measurement, you can categorize that as mild, moderate or severe. And if it's on the severe end of things, um, we, we certainly will consider and discuss parents referring to a pediatrician to discuss the need for a helmet. OK, that's a very good advice. Yeah, I actually have those charts and those calipers as well, and I would use them. Yeah. But that's very good advice, really, in terms of the, the protocol around helmet therapy, because we are asked about it in the clinic yeah. quite a bit as well. Yeah. And I think it's good that you know a referral to a pediatrician would be involved in that yeah okay i, I, I should say that um in my experience like of hundreds of children now with plagiocephaly and yes. for the last five or six years that i i can recall two clients oh. who have gone for a helmet and yeah. int- interestingly both of those clients were very much on the milder end of the scale really and okay. both of them just said hands up we want to do this for purely for aesthetic reasons okay you know, it's just something that we can do to give my child, you know, a much better head shape, and um, for aesthetic reasons as they grow, it's something that we want to do. And I, okay. I, I you know, acknowledge that. Whereas clinically, I, I, it wasn't indicated for the referral. I was, you know, happy to go along with them and provide some information to the provider, but um, they didn't actually require me to refer them for the service. They just made contact themselves with the company up in Belfast. Okay, is there anything else that you wanted to speak about in relation to plagiocephaly or torticollis this morning, now, Alan? Anything, any final bits? Yeah, um, just on, on the last point on the measurement of it is, again, just with experience over the last five or six years of, of working with so many kids with it, what I found is that those kids who present early, um, say at the age of two months or something like that, we might take a measurement of the plagiocephaly and we might say, and we just described that for a second, it's basically two diagonal measurements of the skull. There's a long one and a short one because there's flatness on one side. And the difference between those two measurements, it might be a 10 millimeter measurement, it might be 12, 13, 14 millimeters. And that's what you use to quantify the severity of it. Okay. And what I find is somebody who's two months of age will come in and we might measure 12 millimeters. Very often, a month later or, or a month after that, that measurement will have gotten worse. Okay. Purely because that child is spending a lot of time lying on the back. And even with the best positioning in the world, they still have a tendency to lie on the flat side. Um, so I reassure parents, you know, and I even can now say at two months, let's anticipate a slight deterioration and let's not panic because after that, child will be rolling and spending more time in their tummy. Yes, of course. Spending more time in sitting and you'll see a slow improvement from there. 
Okay, that's very good advice. Yeah, because obviously that's the thing, that's the visual thing that the parents look at is is the shape reshaping or is is, yeah. is the head position back in the midline as such. And in your experience for a resolution mm-hmm. in terms of if a, if, a, if a baby presents with their parents and how long does it take to get a, a good resolution in your estimation? It's a very difficult question to, to okay. answer. Um, and the main reason why it's a difficult question to answer is we tend not to see any of these children after the age of nine or 10 months because by the time they're up and sitting and we're happy that there's not too much asymmetry in the neck or in their associated postural alignment or their postural movement patterns. Once once we've kind of worked on all those major issues and there may only be a tiny bit of tightness on one side of the neck and the plate is definitely slightly resolving, we don't really tend to see them after that because everyone's okay. happy with the way it is. We just have to rely on what the literature says that by the age of two or, two or three, it mostly resolves. I'd okay. love to have more specific information about that, but just the truth of the matter is that we don't. Anything final now to add? Yeah, I think um, I want to kind of, the main message, like in many children with developmental issues, is there's an awful lot of things you can do to elicit early postural reactions and early muscle activity that just won't come to the child naturally if they're left to their own devices. And if we use the the term postural control and apply it to head control and, and, you know, use of the arms and shoulders, then... There's a there's there's an area of postural control called writing reactions. Okay. And it's it's your ability to basically if your head go if your head or trunk goes out of alignment when you're sitting up, that you first of all have the ability to detect that that's happening and then to correct it back to the mid back to midline. Okay. So if you have a child who's four or five months and you sit them up with support and you notice that the head falls to the left because there's a bit of tightness on that side then it's really important that they use the muscles on the right side of their neck to write their head back to the midline. And those writing reactions can be probably a far more effective way of working on the symmetry of the head and neck position than just massage and mobilizations and stretches. Okay. So it's kind of taking a very active motor control approach rather than just a passive manual therapy approach. Okay. Um, and as early as possible, like, you know, even as early as now that's two months or so, by just holding your baby upright in any position, really, with you supporting them around the middle of their of their rib cage, um, if you can then tilt them slightly and slowly forwards and backwards and side to side, giving them the time to correct their head position back to the midline through flexion movements, extension movements, and sideways movements in both directions. That's a really important thing to try and do as early as possible. Thanks so much, Alan. Some really great information there. If you would like information on flathead and babies and what you can do to prevent and treat it, follow us on Instagram at Cork Children's Clinic, at Frank Kelleher Baby Osteopath and at Physio. If you like our podcast, remember to hit the like and the subscribe button. Help us spread the word too by sharing on social media. Thank you. So until next time. Bye.